Hey guys, I'm Amadal Yakbar and this is See Something, Say Something, the BuzzFeed show where we drink chai, tell stories, and talk about being Muslim in America. It is the very last episode in our five-episode Ramadan series, and in fact, it's also the last episode before our season two break. We'll be going away for a couple of months, but we'll be back after the summer. Um, this episode is about something very important, which is Laylatul Qadr, also known as the Night of Power. So we're going to talk about God and spirituality and like what we believe. But keep in mind that this is everyone's personal opinion. This is not a scholarly conversation by any means. It's a sort of cultural, personal, spiritual conversation. Um, and if you have a different way of celebrating Night of Power or believing in God, just send us send us an email at something at BuzzFeed.com. The last 10 days of Ramadan are some of the most important and spiritual times of the year. So we're going to be talking about Laylatul Qadr, otherwise known as the Night of Power. Generally speaking, people spend the night praying if they can. Um, And sometimes that means spending the night at the mosque. And sometimes that means like staying at home with your family and, and reading a lot of Quran and praying a lot. And it's based on this story. Uh, I think it was my aunt who first told me the story. Probably from my mom, but definitely like in Sunday school. That's a really good question because I don't really quite remember. I'm sure I first heard the story uh, as I was making my decision as to whether or not I would take the plunge and become a Muslim. I was a child and uh, it brought a lot of wonder and mystery and you know, it was a, a really lovely tale. The story as I heard it is this, is that... Uh, Prophet Muhammad was dissatisfied with life um, in Mecca with all the traders and all the um, idol worshippers. And so he would regularly go out of town to a cave to meditate. And here comes this angel who I can only imagine is like, I don't even know what kind of a, you know what I mean? He asked them to read. And Muhammad said, I can't. And the angel Gabriel at that again, read. And then Prophet was like, mm, I can't. And then third time. Gabriel squeezed him tightly and then released him and said, read. And then the Prophet repeated after him. So there was the first thing, read in the name of your Lord. That's how the first revelation came to the Prophet. In the Shia tradition, the narration is that when he was asked to recite, he recited immediately. There was no hesitation. As a convert, certainly those first few years were very awkward in terms of, like, what, what am I supposed to be doing, right? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I don't know how. I didn't have a model. I, didn't, I, never, I never saw anybody observing like level color in my home or in my community. So it was just like, okay, what is it that I'm, I'm supposed to stay up all night and do what exactly? We happily woke up uh, in the night uh, to to look out at the sky and to see because the night of power was supposed to also be the night where the heavens and the earth were the closest to each other. So it was this really beautiful time of of really looking for for heaven. Uh, you know, when you're a young uh, in the, in the person, these kind of night outing and ten night you can stay up and hang out. That was the first thought came to us. It's rare. 
occasion that we can stay up at nighttime and on Canada night we can hang out at the mosque. So it's like party atmosphere. So I moved to Canada when I was 12, and this will sound really silly, but for some reason my adolescent self was like, oh, they don't have the night of power here. And every Ramadan I would be sad and I would miss uh, the times where, where everyone around me sort of believed in it. But when I realized, when I became older, and I started to sincerely pray for myself, then I realized how important that night is for. Most looking forward to... Uh, to me, it always seems like it's it's this direct, you know, you pick up a phone and it's this phone line to God that is so precisely tuned. And it's something that I can tap into this one night. I mean, people pray at different times uh, of the year and they pray all, all day. In this one night, it seems like vibrationally, we're all just so attuned to that to that, you know, main, almost like mainlining God. So I'm looking forward to that feeling of being able to have that divine connection. There's a palpable tranquility that I used to feel, I think, as a child and as a teen during the night of power. I, you know, it, if you happen to catch which night it might be. There's a Sufi practice of saying that we we put up a lot of veils between us and the divine. And this night of power, this whole experience of Ramadan is to help us to, to remove those veils one by one um, and allow us to become closer. I pray for myself, I pray for my family, I pray for my nation, I pray for everybody who is distressed who needs help. Because God promised this is the night, if you are granted the blessings of the night, your prayer will be accepted. And it will be one prayer, it will be, it will be more than 83 years of prayer. So if, if, if I am lucky enough, so when I go there, I go with that hope, with that uh, sincere appreciation of the power of the night. I mean, as a Muslim who believes in an afterlife, you know, uh, the, the overwhelming, uh, the overwhelming and a kind of overarching, you know, maybe even unspoken thing that we're all seeking uh, in this time is forgiveness. It's the last week of Ramadan. Woo! Yay! Wow, you, did that, it. you totally, guys, totally just destroyed your mics there. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. sorry, no, no, not your fault, but uh, that's just how it is. Um, it's the last week of Ramadan, and you know, for um, many Muslims, that's a very important and spiritual time. The last ten days of Ramadan are so. Um, we decided, why don't we get weird and talk about God a little bit? Mm, I like it. So I'm joined by Zainab Shah. She's the global operations lead at BuzzFeed and Nabiha Sayed, who's assistant general counsel at BuzzFeed. Hi, Zainab. Hi, Anna. Hi, Nabiha. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Did you guys um, observe or celebrate Laylatul Qadr in your house? Like, was it a special thing? Yeah, we had to stay up and pray and eat parathas. Um, yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All of that, parathas included. At home? At home. Yeah. We used to do like sleepovers at the mosque and I would try to get the next day off um, and from school and my parents would still make me go. It was very cruel and intense. (laughs) Yeah. We had sometimes if it was because it's so close to Eid, you'd have family staying over or visiting and then you'd have cousins. Yeah. 
a full house, and that was really fun. Yeah. I kind of, um, until it's been so long that since I've done it that I kind of forgot what it was. Like, I was thinking of the wrong story. I was thinking of the story where the prophet, um, like, does the, the mirage. The mirage, yeah. exactly, when he goes to, to Jerusalem in a night. But nope, that's not the, that's not the night of power. No. The night of power is when the Quran is revealed for the first time to him on the, on the, on the, the mountain, mount, the, the mount. The cave. And Angel Gabriel hugs the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know how to read. It was a big moment. Yeah. It was like ik- the ik- Ikra. Was, yeah, that was the it's moment. Important. Right? It was huge. Ikra bismi rabbi kalabi yeah. But in the name of your Lord. Yeah. But it's also big. It's bigger because it's supposed to be the night when all the angels descend right. closer to her. That was the, that Wait, was the story I that, that I heard. Yeah, can you say more about that? I like, didn't know that Tell part. me more about it. Yeah. So it was, it's the night when basically all the angels have descended and they're amongst us. Either they're amongst us or they're just, just above us, like one sky removed or right. it's like, like close to us. It's like there's m- many layers of heaven and like, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's the angels, maybe it's God, but the divine is like the closest. Yeah. To yeah. you possible, like if you think of it as like an elevator, yeah, and, and God is like on usually on floor like one 11. million. Now he's on floor one, two, yeah. two, and yeah, you're on two, floor one, and you're on one, and you're like, you're like, you're like, oh, he's he's you're around. Saying, you're yeah. saying like, oh, you're like, God is great, and hoping yeah. he hears you up there. Oh, okay, that's the function. I was like, I mean, it's great and nice and all to have them close by, but what would, what is the difference? Okay, they're more likely to hear you. Yeah, that's I think, the point. I think I think more than they're more likely to hear you because I, I don't know like God he, like they can hear you wherever they are obviously right but I think it's my confusion yeah I think more than that you're more likely to kind of capture the light and the energy I right. think you you your body your human form is much more is in a better position to benefit from that closeness okay I, I mean, think. I mean, it par- partially I mean, I also, like it. um, like it it's, it's, it is like there is like a surah about the Quran that says, like, um, like Laylatul Qadr is better than a thousand, a hundred nights. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Meaning like a hundred nights of prayer. Right. You know, that, uh, your, the value of praying in that night is, um, worth more than usual. So people yeah. do the really, like, they do like, it's like this spiritual mathematics where it's yeah. like you do 100 rukats or whatever or 50 or whatever amount it is and it's multiplied and yeah. therefore it's like worth I used to get really into soul. it and draw the, the lines of the – I would count my rukats. You know the one, yeah. two, three, and then you cross it over with the yeah. five. <laughs> one, two, three, four, and you cross it over. But where do you – like on a notebook? Like, yeah, a notebook. Did oh. you keep it from year to year? Is it your like rukat notebook? I didn't keep it year to year, but I did have something to show in the morning. Yeah. Like, I didn't show it to my mom, but I would be like, this is how much I prayed last night, or this is how yeah. much, like, we did um, last night. The other thing I've also read about Let's Look Other is it's when God is writing your destiny. Mm. So he can, or she can rewrite your destiny. Right. No, I've heard that, too, that, like, it's the night where undo it. intercession undo it. in your life, like, mm-hmm. what is most likely to occur. Right. So it's it's kind of spooky. It's like you I don't, love it. You don't know what. It's my favorite. Yeah. It's what's going to happen? Like it feels like it changes everything, and also it can be a very emotional experience. And the other thing about it is, uh, at least for Sunnis, it's like I, my experience has been like you. It's supposed to be on the twenty seventh, but we're sort of like it could be on any odd night. Right. Odd night. Like that's, we don't know what night it really is. That's my favorite. My favorite is that you don't know. It adds the spooky points yeah. to it. So she has say odd night, but she has have a deep 
down inside kind of belief that it's the night that Hazrat Ali was assassinated, right. which is the 19th. Because he, he was injured and then he died on the 21st, but he right. was injured on the 19th. So right. some people are like, oh, it's the 19th. Some people are like, no, it's the 21st. But mostly in my house, it, we, we also were like, oh, it's probably the 27th, but it could be any any odd night. So does it take on a different, you think, tenor than the way like Sun, you see Sunnis practicing Laylatul Qadr? If if it's supposed to be the day of the martyrdom of Ali, I don't think it takes on a different. I think it it has the same value mm-hmm. and the same significance. But Shias have this belief that these days, these these nights or days when these events occurred, they have special meaning. So I think that other already is special. Um, but I think that she has. Do believe that oh because Hazrati was marked there everything happens for a reason at a mm-hmm. time, and so he that happened to him on that night because that was probably Lezul Qadr. Right, so it yeah. has that extra extra level for yeah. him and then for the Shia community at, at large. Yeah, and extra like we have this extra thing that points to no, it's probably that night because that night he was also martyred. So. Mm. I also want to just, like, ask you guys sort of these uncomfortable questions. Like, I think the funny thing that happens is, like, you bond with a lot of Muslims in, in like, our workplace. and But a place like media, it's, like, not very easy to, like, talk about, like, God and religion. Like, people are Muslim, but it's, like, I don't really know what people believe. So my question for you guys is, what, like, how do you imagine God? Like, what is your vision of God? It's a hard question, yeah. though. I mean, like, I, I've thought about it many times through the year. Can I tell you something embarrassing? Sure. For mm-hmm. most of my childhood, I thought when I, I needed to imagine God, and God looked like this strange blue Smurf um, stuffed <laughs> animal I had, because I needed so badly to be able to envision something. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want it to look like a figure of a man or a woman. So and Smurf so, is not a man or a woman? No, because it was this amorphous blue fuzzy blob. Uh, and I was yeah. like, this is not human, but I need to think of something. But as I've grown older, I feel like I don't need to think of physical features or facets. Right. But there, it, if there's abiding characteristics... I almost need to believe in God because I need to believe in justice. Mm -hmm. I need to believe that things make Mm -hmm. sense. Yes. And there's too much on the daily that doesn't. Right. Uh, Which means I usually think of God when I'm really angry. (laughs) (laughs) I feel a lot of injustice or like deeply (laughs) rageful. And I'm like, okay, not my problem. Like someone else handle all this rage. How about you, Z? So for me, I found or I felt the presence of God and as she has, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Every at the time of Muharram, you'll go for majlis, which for me was a very women-centric mm. community and sort of the keeper of spiritual knowledge and religion in my house is my mother. And I didn't, like, my dad was, was pretty chill and he was pretty, like, I mean, not that my mom wasn't, but I didn't talk about religion with my dad. I didn't right. talk about religion with my brother at all. And it was mostly from my mother, and my mother would always take me to these spaces that were only women, and we would get together and we would tell stories, and we would tell stories about what happened at the time of Karbala and remember. So there was this this element of remembrance and also community and also spaces that I have not seen exist anywhere else that don't exist for me here, and I regret that I don't have them mm. here, that are just women talking to other women about what's important in life. And so I would feel the presence of God in those moments, and a lot of it was also tied to love. There was a lot of love in those rooms. So 
I think from that from that point, it became like for me, the presence of God is tied up in somewhat in relationships and love. Um, and every time I feel a lot of love, I feel that God exists. And I think that's also connected to a, the Sufi idea of God being like the beloved. Right. And I, I and I spent a lot of time thinking as uh, as a teenager in my late teens. I was like, oh, was God a woman? Is God a man? <laughs> why do we say he and why yeah. do we say she? And then again in the Sufi tradition, I found an answer that for me was satisfying, which was that God is just being and not he or she. Mm-hmm. I was raised a lot with the idea, like both of these things, that God has no gender, God is not, uh, has no shape or no, no like human form or whatever, you know, yeah. which I, I think it's really funny, like, like when I get trolled by Islamophobes, they're always like, I can't believe that you guys like all do this for some, like do all this stuff for some big guy with a beard in the sky. And I'm like, I've <laughs> never, like, I've never thought no. of it that way. Who like, said no. that was, said like, that was like that for me, like, I think. Isn't that Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all do it for Santa? Is yeah. that not? It's all for no. I was told Santa was for white children, not for me. But it's a different, it's a different conversation. <laughs> well, that was always like something that was like I would see in, in American media. I was like, I just yeah. don't get this. Yeah. Like, why do people see it this way? But I think that has changed in American yeah. society too. Like that image of God is not as popular as it used to be. Yeah. I thought it was the Christian God is Santa. I have to yeah. add. I did think that the Christian God is Santa. In my mind, they were always confused. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, I feel like uh, I see God as this like big unknowable thing, and I'm not like the most spiritual person. I've said this several times, but when I do feel it, it's also in community and justice. But I think the thing that I really think about that like makes sense to me is that like you know how people feel like oh, God wants this for me or like you know like whatever. I never feel that way. I never feel like nope. God is like listening to my prayers, nope. which is fine. I feel like what I understand is that there is some other level of understanding of the world that's beyond what I can see. Like, mm. and I sometimes <laughs> feel it and tap into it that there's a divine energy, you know, that life connects other human beings and it is unknowable. And this lo- logic may be just in the end. I don't know, but like I'm a part of something greater than what I see, you know, that, and that's how I see God. Like when I pray, I, I think of prayer as less like asking for things and more like submitting to the like crazy, mm-hmm. yep. you know, mm-hmm. chaos and and hugeness of the world and also how like beautiful it can be as well. Yeah. And I feel like our ritual or when we lose touch with that like larger idea, right. I think that the, the practice of it or the ritual of it helps yeah. it to come back again. Yeah. It's a very different understanding of prayer than I think the Christian one where it's like the act does something. It does mm-hmm. like even when I don't like feel like I'm feeling very spiritual, it does like sort of calm you down and make you think about. Mm-hmm. There's something with any yourself. ritual, right? Yeah. It's because it's yeah. ritualized. It's at certain times. It's there are certain motions. It takes you away from yourself. Yeah. The idea of praying because you want a thing or need guidance has always seemed so foreign to me. Yeah. Like Same. my, Same. and also feels yeah. strange and weird and transactional. Like I don't want to barter with God. That yeah. seems inappropriate. Yeah. Um. And so my conception has always been s- sort of distant. Right. Like this is a God that creates things that I live in. This is a God that sorts things out on the back end because it's all Mm -hmm. really fucked up here. I'm not allowed to to curse, right? No, you are allowed to curse. You're allowed to curse in the show. And during Um, Ramzan. I don't don't (laughs) know. That I don't know. I'm not going to answer that question. I'm no shit, man. Um, I uh, curse all the time during Ramzan, of course. uh, What I will say is 
it, this is so basic. I um I went to the Grand Canyon a couple of months ago, Aww. and everyone was like, "Oh, you have to go to these special places where there are vortexes, and you'll go see." Like spirits, and I was like, what? "A, those are gin, and B, okay, yes, let's take an ATV and go there." <laughs> like, I just want to know what's up. I mean, I'm not going to hate on other people's spirit seeing mm-hmm. things, but you go out to these places that are so beautiful that the only language I possibly had to conceive of like what had been made there was, "Oh, this is so beautiful. It is the presence of God." Mm. Um, wow. And I, but I yeah. had never really experienced that before like my idea of god was this you like make stuff and you're gone by and i'll like see you later i'll see you when you die when you reckon exactly i'll see you at the reckoning (laughs) i will come correct for that i'm trying um and it really was like this such unbelievable beauty where i was like oh people also experience god as like beautiful things Mm. and like the concept of awe and wonderment and yeah. uh, and all of those things. And uh, I'd like to experience that more, but that's definitely not my life on the daily. Like, I don't feel that in the Q train this mm. morning. Um, <laughs> but going back to this idea of ritual, I know when you're talking about ritual. I think you guys both, I think you guys both um, connect to ritual in a way that I don't. And mm. I've always had trouble doing that. Um, and at some point, it just didn't do the things for me that it was doing for mm. my friends or everybody else. And also, like, I grew up in a house where my dad would, like, say his Fajr namaz at 10 a.m. with a towel wrapped around him. <laughs> he would just, like, come out of the shower and have his towel wrapped around him. And I'd be like, Mom, what's he doing? She's like, oh, he's saying Fajr. It's like, I'm, it's 10 a.m. So I was like, okay. Well, and I guess he's in a towel. Not. And he's in a towel, you know, like, before he's getting dressed. I'm like, okay, well, this is this is the way that does it. It seems to be it seems to be working. So I came to the idea of ritual. Um, I approach it very much from, like, loose rules mm. and like they're just guidelines especially because later on in my life again there was this emphasis around me on so much emphasis on ritual you can't pray if you have nail polish on what like what really i don't think god cares if i have nail polish on like i think it'll be fine right you know stuff like that so i don't really connect to the ritual part of it as much but i do go to it when i'm feeling um like i'm losing the spirit or or right. this, this idea Right. that I, I I hold more dear to myself. Well, I, w- I wouldn't say, like, I connect to it, like, a huge amount because I do struggle with it. And I think a lot of people struggle with it, but it's, mm-hmm. like, I see it as a process. I have that, like, idea that, like, in the future it'll be easier, which might be naive if I'm not doing the work now. But I feel like the more you do it, the easier it becomes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um but also that's one reason why I find um, – I'm going to say the Pakistani pronunciation, mm-hmm. but this is very confusing – why taravi or mm-hmm. tarawih is, mm-hmm. is uh, really hard for me because you do like 20 rakats and they feel more empty to me than when I just pray by myself. Mm-hmm. I have as a child like felt connected to to ritual and community, but it's it's hard when you, when you don't do it a lot. You, f- it f- you feel distant from it. So I'm just trying to like not give up on it, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's great. I'm definitely not – perfect at the practice of the ritual but I think of the ritual and I feel like I've turned to the ritual most and because of this feeling of if I'm praying no matter how bad I am in the rest of my life this is probably the right thing to be doing in this moment right like I'm not screwing anything up now Mm -hmm. I can't get in trouble for this particular five minutes (laughs) however every other life choice I'm making may be a disaster and it really is this feeling of like I can't, this can't be wrong to do this right yeah. now, yeah. so I'm going to do it. 
Yeah. For I, me, the the language thing is an issue. The, I don't understand what I'm saying. Mm. If I'm praying in Arabic, I don't yeah. I like I know the spirit of the surah. Like I've read the right. translation, but I don't like can I just pray in Urdu or like English, right. which I I'm pretty sure I can't. <laughs> you know, right? It's fine. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm again, okay. I can't I can't answer <laughs> that question for you. Yeah. Uh, there's a qu- two-part question I wanted to ask you guys, which okay. is related to that very first question, which is what is your conception of a soul and do you believe in heaven or hell? Ooh. I think there's this concept of souls that they're like this thing that's like this essence of you and that um, is eternal maybe or eternal-ish and is a core of your being. But to me, I feel like the soul is like always changing. It's like you think of it like um, the skin cells on your body, mm-hmm. like the way your body is like, yeah, your body is your mm-hmm. body. And as a collection together, it's like you recognize it as your body, but eventually – First of all, it came from other places, and then it goes other places as well when it's gone. And it's only a thing when it exists in a certain period of time. That's how I feel about my soul, too. I'm like, it's like what I was saying about the, like, divine energies of the world. I'm like, it's just whatever collection of divine energies have collected at this time, and they're going to go elsewhere. You know, like, I might not. That's not mine. That's not yours. If if the soul is evolving, do your amal or, like, the way you behave, does that affect the evolution of your soul. So can it be dark like Voldemort? And just like, <laughs> So that's something that I'm not sure about. This is like hokey, but I do feel like when I do good or bad things, I feel the content of my soul the cleansing. I do feel the, you feel the cleansing and you feel the dirtying. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. what that means for, for the, the, these divine energies that I'm talking about on the long term. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I feel about heaven or hell at all. But uh, I do feel like there's like my f- f- idea of like heaven or hell is like things come back together eventually. But mm. I have such a strong conception of heaven and I feel very um, ambivalent about hell. Like I think it's there's definitely something to be said for the concept because it's an, mm-hmm. it's a useful fiction in my mind to be like, mm-hmm, going to hell <laughs> and to move along. But the idea of a permanent hell seems mm-hmm. it's it's too much for my mind to wrap yeah. around. I think it's it's also for me the idea of a permanent hell seems really counter to my idea of exactly. Allah. Right. Like I, it seems it like doesn't, a, like doesn't a, jive with yeah, the merciful, right? Like yeah, that's a big. It's not. It's like you can go there and and like set yourself straight, kind of like a purgatory esque yeah. uh-huh. concept. Yeah. Like just get your head on right. Yeah, and then fine. and all our all our hells will be different. Like they will be what is our mm-hmm. hell, and we will. Maybe you have to repent for stuff. But, like, I also think that, you know, again, the merciful at the end of the day, we're going to be like, God, we really fucked up. Please forgive me. <laughs> and then you can't stay mad at like, he, He's a lie. Is he yeah. really going to stay mad at you? Come on, son. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I feel like hell would be easier to conceive of if I thought that there were bad souls. But mm-hmm. going to what yeah. you're saying about, like, the, the darkening souls. of souls, the Voldemortification yeah. of souls, <laughs> I think of it like tarnished silver. Like, it was good underneath, just mm. some, it just was neglected. Yeah. It needs to be polished. I feel like it gets yeah. polished in hell temporarily, and then you move along. But yeah. permanent hell is too much. That's a metaphor uh, people use for, for the whole heart the, the and the soul, soul in Islam, yeah. polishing your heart. Yeah, polishing yeah. your heart. I also feel like the soul is – like your body connects you to earth. Your mm. soul connects you to the divine. Mm. And your mm. soul is kind of the way through which you can connect to the divine. Mm. And I don't think that – I guess they can get darker, but I'm also I'm also an abolitionist. I also don't think that human beings should be like put in jail for 
too long or, mm-hmm. or like I don't yeah. I don't think that inherently people can be like r- deeply deep they do bad things but yeah. can they be deeply deeply bad and do they deserve to go to a place like well and sometimes the things that they do that are bad are like not really their choice yeah you know right. it's yeah. like it's a, it's it's circumstantial there's a whole many set of factors that yeah. can influence those things I, I know people, of course, are like, what about those really terrible people in history? Um, and thankfully, my my soul system lets me. <laughs> Somebody's going to deal with those bad soul energies yeah, later. it's but... great. I don't have to because it's going to get sorted out on the back. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think of my soul, like, not as some sort of, like, interstitial, like, amorphous. Well, it is amorphous. Mm-hmm. But it it exists and is in, internally consistent and, like, is a, is a being of its own. Mm-hmm. And I think it persists. I don't think it dissolves back into the divine later. It just is chilling later. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think of my soul as, like, another Nabiha self. Where you're like, hey, soul, how are you? Good. It's different than your brain. Yeah. It feels different than my brain. Mm. It feels different. That It's certainly different than my body. Mm -hmm. And there's more permanence there. So it demands more attention. It definitely feels more permanent. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, I completely 100% believe this thing that I'm saying. But it's, like, it's easier for me to reckon with my life thinking of it that way you know like i should take good care of this thing while it's mine yeah like nourish it feed it like i believe in that when i was young and i was really scared of people saying you know you say bloody mary in the mirror three times and something scary (laughs) happens my mom i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) wait really (laughs) it's like a campfire thing they're like i which is weird because there's no mirrors at campfires but people say if you go into the bathroom or someplace and you say Mm -hmm. bloody mary Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, this crazy looking apparition entitled Bloody Mary peers back at you. And it's very scary. And I was really scared of someone doing this while I was in the bathroom. I had weird non-real fears, <laughs> <laughs> evidently. And my mom was like, no, if you go and say that, the only thing that will look back at you is your soul. And then yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And I spent a whole lot of time saying Bloody Mary in the bathroom. <laughs> my soul did not appear, which yielded another set of problems. You were like, I have no soul. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I told you about my N-Train soul story. No. This is like when I first moved to New York and didn't know you weren't supposed to publicly eavesdrop or talk to strangers. So I'm on the N-Train, get stuck <laughs> on, the, on the bridge part. And we're waiting. We're waiting for a really long time. And I'm just totally eavesdropping on this couple right next to me. And this guy is enamored of this woman who is telling a crazy set of stories about how she can read souls and she can peer into someone's eyes and she can see the collection of all of their past lives. Was she definitely human? I mean, I did not ask. But okay. she appeared human. Okay. And and she's like, she's saying this this to this guy, and this guy's just hanging off of every word. And I just, I don't know what was wrong with me. I was bored. My phone was dead. And I was like, would you read my eyes? Oh, no. I just asked. It was strange. And so, wow. so this woman who, like, clearly had in. just articulated she was insane is like, sure, grabs my face. I have this moment where I'm like, a stranger is holding my face on the end train. It is no one's fault but my own. Mm-hmm. And she's just peering into my eyes. And then she pulls back suddenly. And she says, do you feel that you have a purpose? And I was like, I mean, sort of. <laughs> and she's like, no, there must be a reason that you're here. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I'm getting goosebumps. I would be creeped out by that story. And then she told me that in all of my past lives, 
I had died as a baby, and this time there was a reason that I still lived. And I'm like, what? I was, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, I'm, don't I'm like, have goosebumps I, anymore. Yeah, it was a terrible story. Um, tell it again, Nabiha. Uh, she's like, you, <laughs> you are a collection of dead babies, and that was very distressing wow. for my soul. So that plus the Bloody Mary story, I'm, I have a lot of questions about my soul, but I think it's good. I think it's untarnished. Mm. I think I'm not Voldemort. Um. So we're running low on time, and okay. it's the end of Ramadan. So I wanted to also ask you guys, what are you guys doing for Eid? Do you have any fun plans? Oh, my God. I'm going to have With your so souls? Are you going to keep your souls clean? <laughs> <laughs> what are you and your souls going to do? Listen, John is not a time for souls. It's a time for, like, the, the human form. The <laughs> right? yeah. that's, that's, that's our time. It's a time for gluttony. It's a time. The soul's time has been during daylight. I, I got to be honest. From, from I don't really understand Chandrath. So I know it's like the night where people wait to see the moon. And then when they see the moon, they start partying because that means tomorrow is Eid and they can stop fasting. Um, but like what what is the party? I don't I don't understand. I always smear my mandy. I always just felt like it was a disaster. Listen, you spent the whole month fasting, right? You like stayed up at night, you yeah, woke yeah. up and you're exhausted. You've been like not eating during the daytime. You feel a little lightheaded all the time, even after iftar. You feel, I mean, if you had a good Ramzan, you're feeling very connected. You're feeling cleansed. Yeah. Your soul yeah. has probably been cleansed by this point. Uh, and it took a lot of work and you put in a lot of work. And now is the time to celebrate. To it's party. A, to party. So it's like Mardi know? Gras, but after. It, yeah, it's like you you open Without the glass. Okay, the it starts with it starts Samosa with debauchery. Yeah, it starts with waiting for the John. You know, right. that's how it starts. That's Chandra. Right. You're like, is it gonna happen? Is it not gonna happen? For, for are the we gonna see it? That means moon. The, yeah, the yeah, moon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, are they gonna spot it? Are they not gonna spot it? Is it gonna be today? Is it gonna be tomorrow? My uncles are in London. Are they gonna have Eid with us? They're yeah. not gonna have it. It's so exciting. And you're sitting in front of the TV. And one night, I remember we waited till like 11 p.m. in front of the TV. And as soon as it was like, oh, it's Chandra, then everyone got really excited. And, and then you started partying. And then you start partying because you might have to fast the next day. Right. So right. you got. You gotta wait. Yeah. You gotta wait. So the Mandy's ready to go. The Churia, the Bangles, they're mm. ready to go. Your outfit is ready. It's ironed. It's on your bed. Like Eid preparations have been. They're ready. Like there'll be namaz in the morning, and then after that there'll be a brunch, probably at your house or your uncle's or your nanny's or whatever. And like everything's set, but there's this anticipation. Like, is it going to happen? And is it going to be a holiday for three days? Is it going to start tonight? I love the thing she about... She just sold me. It. I'm very compelled. I'm into it, too. I would like to go to Chandra. <laughs> I've never really been invited to a good one. Um, I feel like the other thing that you just realize when you talk about these is that Muslims just, you know, it's unpredictable what day is the next day is going to bring. Is Chandra going to be yeah, tomorrow? No, or is to, it, and, like, we live on the edge of that Layla all the time. Layla could be any, any of six days, five days, I yeah, guess. Yeah. You've got to be flexible. you got to be open to God. The uncertainty. you got to be open to all of it. Yeah. yeah. Embrace the uncertainty. Yeah. Zanab, where can people find it, you and your work? Um, I don't think Emmett has mentioned this. He's mentioned this before, but I also run the See Something Twitter account. So yes, if you're does. not following us at See Something, get on it. Like, what are you doing with your life? Get on it. Follow us at See Something. Sign up for the newsletter, which is amazing, which I can also say is amazing because I read it every single time. And I'm personally on at Zanab Shah, Z-A-I-N-A-B-S-H-A-H on Twitter. Cool. Nabi, how about yourself? I am not nearly as exciting as Anab, but you can find me on Twitter at Nabi Hasayed, N-A-B-I-H-A-S-Y-E-D. I think I spelled my name properly. She's very exciting. She's very, very exciting. 
don't but she should use Twitter more she because she would it. be great at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eid Mubarak, guys. Eid, Eid Mubarak. Mubarak. I know it's not really Eid, but let's just almost, pretend like almost, it is. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Will almost. it be Monday? Will it be Sunday? No and one no one knows. knows. No one has any idea. Hi, Abu. Assalamualaikum, Ahmed. Waalaikumsalam. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We were talking earlier, and uh, I know you know, but it sounds like maybe you haven't had time to listen, that uh, we're doing a Ramadan series. Yes, of course, yeah. And this episode is about um, the night of power, um, and I guess Eid as well, because, you know, this is our last episode, so we're going to talk about Eid a little bit. Um, so I was, sure. I was wondering, um, are you going to be praying the night of power this year, and why do you do it? Yeah, definitely the answer is yes. We have a special event at the Islamic Center this evening. It, this goes till Fajr, uh, which means the morning prayer. And if you, after morning prayer, you can come home and sleep for a few hours before you go to work, because most of us have work the next day. You know, and it's interesting enough that that time of the night, if you look at multiple traditions, the night time, because of its quietness, and because of its serenity, is much better time to pray and right. meditate than right. any other time of the right. of the day or the night. The Prophet was supposed the, to spend the night at the mosque quite a bit late at night, even when it was not obligatory. Right. So why do you go, Abu? Like, what is your reasoning for going? To me, to be honest, Ahmad, it does bring peace. Over the last several decades, we have spent the night in the, at the Islamic Center, and I have never, ever felt once that when we left the next morning, that either I was tired or I was irritated. Mm. You know, there's a physical part as well. It always has brought me, uh, you can say, back to down to earth or uh, given me peace that I have done something for myself. There's a direct connection you have with God. Well, let's talk about Eid as well. Um, okay. uh, it's, it's the, in a way, it's like the celebration of the end of Ramadan. What what are the, what, like why do you think it's it's important to like let loose at the end of uh, a month of fasting? I think what I like to say first is it's interesting that as stressful as Ramadan can be physically, but then when Ramadan ends, you kind of feel at a loss that mm. people we were having fun. <laughs> it was a kind of a you know friend who's leaving. It's something you were more peaceful during the day and night. Uh, this is also a tradition that you wear new clothes. Right. So it's a very festive, festive kind of event. And in our family, get together. In our family, we wake up and we 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 make dessert, right? And the other thing that I love about Ramadan is you go, you go, you know, or sorry, Eid is that you go to the mosque and everyone is dressed up nicely, and then everyone gives each other three hugs after the prayer. <laughs> right. You know, you sort of connect with people that maybe you haven't connected with all year, but have been going through the same thing as you. And I find that to be like really, really satisfying and bonds me to my community. It is. That's a very good day that you make sure that that day you have tried to put all your conflicts behind as well. Speaking of which, make- um, can, I, can, I, can I make a request? 
sure. When I come home this weekend, mm-hmm. it's Eid morning and it's time to mm-hmm. wake up and I don't move as fast as you want me to. Will you forgive me for being mm-hmm. slow? Because <laughs> there's always a conflict <laughs> that we're late and uh, it, you get upset yeah, so, and I so, feel sad. So, so, so interesting that I've been thinking for the last two days, how are we going to make it in time <laughs> with Ahmed? <laughs> Ahmed and how I'm going to keep it as peaceful as we can. So you tell me, you give me the solution. Let's let's that, agree uh, that we will both do our best and I will definitely try to wake up earlier and not stay up super late. Yeah, you know, the tradition, the our family tradition has always been that we're sitting in the car uh, and waiting for Ahmad to come out of the house <laughs> hey, because either he doesn't have his shoes uh, on or he doesn't like the socks he's wearing or the color or his hair is not I've gotten way you know, better at this. I think that probably has com- happened for a while. I'm complimenting you in a way because you are very particular about the way you get dressed, right? I wanted to ask you about something else, um, just about like this whole month there's been, you know, obviously you want to celebrate and feel happy during Ramadan that, you know, you know to bond with your community and to, um, you know, think about bettering yourself. But there has been, like, a lot of violence against the Muslim community this this summer. You know, there was uh, that in the U.K., there was that van that barreled into... Uh, that van that barreled into worshipers after they left mm-hmm. for, I think it was evening prayers. And then specifically, I wanted to ask you, have you been following the story about um, this young Muslim woman, Nabra, from Adam Center in of Virginia? Course. Of course. She, you know, she was uh, uh, abducted and, and beaten to death um, by, uh, by a um, man in a car. Um, After she was going home from the morning prayers yes. or late night prayers. Yeah. How do you celebrate and, and process um, when there is violence happening against the community and some people are not, you know, they're not able to, like, make it happen because of, you know, the hate or violence and misogyny of other people it is it is very scary and uh, you know this is not the first incident something in queens happened yes a year ago when the ladies were going home uh uh, and they they were and then the imam then you know there's another woman who was attacked in uh, somewhere in ohio not too long ago and these have happened more than they ever have happened before and you're right the thing which is uh, disturbing is that if you're attacked just the way you look or the way you're dressed, and uh, that that is really, really disturbing, and uh, you're not even safe on the streets because you're targeted because, I mean, color of your skin or the way you're dressed yeah. or the way you look. You know, if you have a hat on or you have your head covered as a woman. And I was reading that somewhere the other day, and uh, that person was right that I have a lot of respect, uh, even in spite of all this, the Muslim women who still cover their heads in public and uh, go about life uh, with their head uh, held up, I respect them tremendously. We as men uh, don't have to worry about that because people still have to second guess our religion. But these brave women, I would say, nobody has to guess their religion. They know right away what their religion is. Yeah, makes them a target. Well, the men can get away uh, nobody knows what the religion is because of the way they're dressed. So, yeah. well, um, these women are really courageous. Yeah. Well, we're probably we're kind of running out of time, um, and sure. uh, uh, I, we will talk more about this this weekend. I'm sure okay. as okay. I'm coming home for Eid. Okay. Um, but from looking the, forward to it. I'm looking forward to it too. 
Love you, Abu. Talk to you soon. Love you, Ahmed Ali. Thank you. Bye, Meg. Assalamualaikum. So this week for my special Ramadan highlight, um, I'm going to be talking about Fariha Roisin's essay, which I helped edit and was published yesterday on BuzzFeed.com. Um, it's about reconciling being a deeply spiritual and deeply sexual person by going on a journey um, to Mecca, to Turkey, and through herself. I'm going to read a little bit of an excerpt, and we will link to the essay in the episode description. I've spent a lifetime apologizing for who I am to my family and to the people I grew up with. There's a deep shame submerged in me like a vestigial organ. When I go back to take care of my mother every year, I have a curfew, again, at 27. When I leave the house, my mother watches me glumly. I don't mention the names of my male friends because, according to my mother, I have none. I do this to be respectful, but there's a part of me that's also audacious. I have tattoos, and my mother sees them every time I eat because there's an alien and a spaceship on the pinky and fourth finger of my right hand and squiggles on the left. When Bengali family friends come to the house, I ask them to confront their own privilege. But these days, my intention is to be more than just a good wife. It's to be an example of self-actualization, to be the Muslim I want to see in this world. So check it out on buzzfeed.com Ramadan. This episode is produced by Eleanor Kagan, Megan Dietrich, Meg Kramer, and Agaranesh Ashagre. Additional production support from Tabir Akhtar, Zanab Shah, and the Pod Squad. Our music is by The Kaminas. You can find me on Twitter at RadBrownDads and also on Tumblr. You can find my writing at BuzzFeed.com, the website. Sign up for the newsletter at BuzzFeed.com slash see something, say something slash newsletter. Email us at say something at BuzzFeed.com or check out our videos on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter at see something. And if you like the show, please rate it on iTunes. I'm Amadal Yakbar. Thanks for listening.